You've been hearing how some big brands are winning through simplicity. But don't get intimidated. You can do this too, no matter the size of your team or your budget. Want to learn the six behaviors you can instill to create simple experiences for your customers and your team members? Download a free copy of my simple playbook today. It'll help you immediately turn your customer experience around and create an Amazon experience without having an Amazon budget. Grab your copy of my simple playbook at mattliles.com slash simple playbook. Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now, here's your host, Matt Lyles. Happy New Year and welcome to 2021. I'm excited for this year, and I'm excited about the guests that we have planned and the content we have planned for Simple Brand with Matt Lyles. But before we start moving forward into 2021, I do want to take a quick recap, and I want to revisit some of the standout lessons that we learned in 2020. In fact, this is the second episode in a two-part series where we recap 2020, but they're not sequential. You can listen to them in any order you like. You're welcome. While episode 19 focuses on the lessons we learned on creating simple experiences for your customers, this episode recaps some of the lessons we learned on creating simple experiences for your people. And just like in episode 19, we're going to play a handful of clips from some of the standout guests and some of the lessons that I think are going to help you create a simple experience for your people, whether it's your employees, your network, or even your own friends and family. And if you haven't heard these episodes already, then after this, go back and dig back into them so you can get even more in-depth lessons from these guests. The first lesson is from David Burkus, author of the books Friend of a Friend and Pick a Fight. As a leader, it's important for you to have a purpose, a vision, a mission for your organization. But it's just as important for your people to fully buy into and be fully engaged with that mission. What do you think your team members would say if they were asked, does our organization's vision and mission make me feel my day-to-day work is important? If your organization is like most others, you're probably not going to like their answers. But David's got a solution to help you ensure your team members are more likely to be engaged. Spoiler alert, it's related to his book, Pick a Fight. Let's listen in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in some regard, we have this um, we have this tendency, what's the term? I'm trying to remember the acronym, BHAGs, right? Big, hairy, audacious, oh, big hairy, goals. audacious goals. We have this, um, we have this line of consultants that, are, that get paid, you know, I don't know, 20 grand to come lead an offsite to write a vision statement, that sort of thing. And um, those are all great. And those are all, I mean, they're fighting the same fight I'm fighting. So I'm not trying to criticize rivals here, right? But what they're not thinking about is that, that stakes portion. And they're not, to my mind, they're not thinking about how to bridge the gap. The, the big hurdle that I see is there is a gap 
if you look at how mission and purpose actually engage people, right? So, so the Gallup organization, right? Famous for the Q12, their engagement score, right? It's been used for 20 plus years. It's been flat in North America for 20. Well, it's moved a teeny bit, but like not statistically significant. Um, one of the questions in their 12 question survey of employee engagement is does the mission and the vision of the company make me feel my day-to-day work is important? Now, which one of those, we, we solved the first one. We've got a mission. You've got a purpose. Every, every publicly traded company has a paragraph in the front of their 10K to tell us what your purpose is. Oh, yeah. We never really thought about the second part, right? We, we don't actually think about how do, you, how do you embed that purpose in culture? How do you make sure people have reminders of it from day to day? I mean, we get so tripped up in this idea that leaders are supposed to cast a vision that we don't realize that the bigger challenge for leaders is to take that top level vision and get people to see that driving the UPS truck on a day-to-day basis serves that vision, right? To that that day-to-day task that people are asked to do. That's, I wouldn't call it a hurdle. I would call it this sort of chasm that people just often aren't willing to jump over because it takes a lot longer than a weekend offsite with the senior leaders (laughs) to come up with a fancy phrase. It takes a lot more work to do that, but it's worth it. It really is. And, you know, a lot of times I wonder when you have leadership that's crafting whatever statement, if it's their purpose statement, their vision statement, their mission statement, if they have that understanding, that end in mind where they say, we are crafting this for our team members, for our front line. Uh, Because a lot of times, and I read an article last week, I think, and I think the stat was, it, it was more than a third, more than a third of companies' mission statements focus on their shareholders. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, they're in the front of a 10K. So I totally understand oh, yeah. why, who's reading a 10K and all that stuff. No, I mean, it gets even worse, right? Like um, there's a survey in, in uh, I think it's Daniel Coyle's book about teams, uh, the culture code, where he talks about how less than 2% or maybe it's three, but it's a single digit number percent of employees could tell you their organization's top three priorities. Right. Uh, And and again, I think it's because we're not bridging that gap. Now, what bridges that gap? This is where my grand thesis comes into play that I believe that reframing that mission and purpose as they fight and then focusing your efforts as a leader or as a a middle manager, whatever, any leadership role you're in, even if you don't have a title, refocusing that fight to say, here is how your individual efforts, here's how you help combat this fight. Those are the things that, that bridge that gap. And, and I truthfully believe it's got to be, it's got to have that stakes. It's got to have that sense of urgency that most of these shareholder value oriented mission statements lack. Um, and there's a couple different templates that we outline in the book for how you can kind of better phrase that to make sure you have that stakes piece. But if you're not doing that, you're not creating that sense of urgency that I think keeps people more motivated from the day to day than this grand utopian vision that's 20 years off that assumes we made all our shareholders wealthy and here's what the world looks like after we do that. As a leader, part of your job is to influence others, including your people. But influence doesn't come easy, nor does it come in just one instance overnight. In this clip, I talk with Stacy Hunky, author of Influence Redefined. This lesson right here is so key. Just like your customers expect a consistent experience every time, your people have that same expectation. It's that consistency that builds trust, and trust leads to influence. Let's hear how Stacy describes it. But we're talking about influence happening sometimes long after an interaction has occurred. 
you, you and I both know that influence doesn't happen or the relationship doesn't get to the point where you're ready to reach that call to action in one email, in one Zoom call. It, it's a series of experiences that someone has with you over time. That series of experience, though, they can see that you're very consistent. That's what builds trust. And that's what influences action in the long run. You know me, you know, I come from a brand management background and that's exactly what we teach. You know, brands aren't built overnight. Brands sure. aren't built by one big campaign or, or one Super Bowl ad. They're built by the consistent incremental actions over time. It's the sum total of all experiences that somebody has. Oh, so true. And anyone listening right now, when we say brand, there may be a famous brand that comes to mind for them. That FedEx. they right, FedEx, of course, <laughs> exactly. And you go back to those places, you rely on their service, you trust that relationship because you always trust you know what you're going to get. I have a FedEx store that's not far from me here in Chicago down the street, and I, I know what I'm always going to get. I know it's reliable, my packages will get there in time, they treat me right. And that's what you can also do, though, through your personal brand. I'm not talking about your company's brand because that's successful because they made it their brand. When it comes down to you and that client, it's not FedEx's brand only. It's now the experience they have with you. It's your personal brand. That's the consistency we want to work on. Absolutely. And like I tell people, uh, your brand should not be like a box of chocolates. People (laughs) should know what they're going to get. That's good. Exactly. I don't want people guessing. I think the biggest compliments I ever get when I show up for an event that I'm going to be presenting at, most of those conversations with the meeting planner, the buyer is all via phone, via email. We really haven't met. And when we meet, there's been numerous times they'll make comments of, ah, you're, just, you're just like you were on the phone call. You, you're so similar to I'm talking to you live Versus also when I talk to you via email, that's probably the biggest compliment anyone can get. So long as you're consistently acting in a way that people want. That's true. That's true. Here's the good news. If you think about all the conversations you'll have today, the conversations that you'll have this week, to some degree, you get to predict, you get to control the reputation that you want others to have of you. And it it all comes down to how do they experience you? So from the minute you show up to how you stay showed up, the conversation, the interaction, to also what you leave behind. And that may be a call to action, which is another element to influence. That may be follow-up. I'm amazed at how we forget that our silent behaviors also determine our reputation. Listening on a Zoom call or listening in a meeting, people are watching you how you respond, your timeliness to email response, your follow through. It is the full package. It's the sum total of every experience. In this clip, I got to talk to Deanne Turner. She's the former head of culture with Chick-fil-A, and she's the author of the book, Bet on Talent. As your business grows, there's more and more areas to invest in to fuel that growth. And it can get a little overwhelming in deciding on the right areas to place your bets as a leader. And since Deanne's book is titled Bet on Talent, I bet you can tell where this lesson is headed. 
Well, talent gets everything else done. You know, if you even think about the title, the book, Bet on Talent, of all the things that a a leader could choose to uh, focus on in their business, whether it's strategy or new technology or marketing, all of those things are very, very important. But if you don't have the talent to execute all of those things, then you you know, they're probably not very worthwhile to you. So for me, the place to start is to bet on talent um, and to be sure that um, if I'm going to overinvest in one area of my business, I'm going to have the best talent available because the best talent will come up with the most effective strategies. The best talent will create innovative technology. The best talent will um, launch marketing strategies for your organization to improve the performance of the brand. But without that level of talent, those other things aren't very worthwhile to you. And as a business leader, you know, to me, it would be difficult. It could be stressful to have all the responsibilities on my shoulder. So if I'm not focusing on talent, if I'm just hiring FTEs to come in and do jobs that I dictate and direct, that's a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. But to me, that sounds like it simplifies things. When you invest in talent, then they can be the ones that will create those new things, create the new work that's going to help you grow, that's going to help your business grow. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I make a a huge differentiation between two phrases. Um, Some people talk about hiring people, and I talk about selecting talent. And there's a huge difference. When I think about hiring people, it means just that. Do I have enough FTEs um, to do what needs to be done? Do I have enough people to cover the shift? Do I have enough people to serve the customer? It's all about enough quantity. But when I talk about selecting talent, really focused on do I have the right people with the right skill set to fulfill a role? And, um, you know, I'm looking for very specific experiences and skills and capabilities uh, to do exactly what needs to be done. And uh, that's just, it's a different mindset. And that mindset produces different results. If 2020 proved one thing to businesses, it's that crisis and uncertainty can come up on us at any time. And while it's great to have plans for most any situation, it's difficult to have a plan for everything. Lots of industries were hurt in 2020, and one of the most hurt was the events industry. In this clip, I talked with Kevin Brewer, one of the principals of Leo Events. We discussed how Leo was weathering the storm in 2020, and a lot of their lessons actually apply to most any business. But Kevin gave some really great advice for how business leaders can approach times of crisis and uncertainty. No matter who you are, no matter what your business is, there's going to come a time where you and your team face a major crisis and major uncertainty. And Kevin's advice here applies no matter what industry you're in. If you don't need this advice today, bookmark it and save it for a time when you do. And be sure and thank Kevin for it. We talked about other industries, you know, that are hurting. Like you, you said, hospitality. Um, there's lots of other leaders out there who are facing uncertainty today. What advice can you give business leaders, not in the events industry, to help them gain clarity on how they can move their business forward? You know, I think one of the biggest things, and 
matter of fact, we had a conversation about this. Um, my One of my executives and I were talking, you know, I have to say, get the information and go with your gut. You know what you need to do. You get the information and you know what you need to do. It's the point where you ponder it and rethink and overanalyze that the problem can grow a lot bigger. And then it's a far worse thing to have to deal with. So I think one of the biggest things that we try to do is we get the information we go with our gut. We, we know the decision we need to make, and we make that decision and go forward. Good or bad, if we, you've made some bad ones, you make some good ones, but you're not contemplating it over and over and over and becoming stagnant for that. Right. You know, and so if you make a bad decision, know that you're going to make bad decisions. It's how you react to that bad decision, and it's how you course correct that you figure it out. Um, and then you're going to hit on the good ones and you're going to make the decision. And you're going to look back and go, wow, I actually waited too long to make that decision in some cases, you know? And so I think, I think that would be one of my key pieces to that is get your information, go with your gut, make that decision and go with it and not look back. Too many times leaders have the tendency to keep pushing ahead, knowing their way is the right way, knowing that they have the right answers. Your role as a leader is to provide your vision, and your people's role is to simply execute on your vision. I mean, that's the way you got to be a leader, right? Wrong. In this clip with Brian Dixon, author of Start With Your People, Brian explains how important it is for leaders to seek the feedback and perspective of their team members. Everyone wants to feel valued, especially your people. And one of the best ways to help your people feel valued is to listen to them. They have the perspective of you that they want to share. They have feedback that they want to share. Feedback on things you might be blind to that are holding you and your team back. You have a choice every day to be humble enough to listen to the perspective and feedback from your people. You and your team will be so much stronger when you do. Because, like Brian says... The best leaders are collaborative and recognize that we is better than me. Let's listen in. There's something that I don't know. And at the time, I, had, I just interviewed a, like a business coach. And right at the end of our interview, he said, if you really want to take your life in the business to the next level, do a 360 assessment. And I'd yeah. never heard. Matt, have you heard of a 360 assessment? Oh, yeah. I've taken You've done it. a few of them in so my good. career and they're eye-opening. Right. So I had never heard. So for, for those who are unfamiliar, basically imagine you're standing like in the middle of a room and you can decide who comes in the room, but the real way to do it is you bring in people who are for you and they're your fans, but you also bring in some people you've had some disagreements with, some people you've had some challenges with. And imagine if they're standing in a circle around you and they're telling you honestly what they think. Now, obviously it's online, right? So it's basically filling out an anonymous survey and there's three main questions. What is Matt great at? Where is Matt stuck or what's Matt really, where's Matt kind of failing? And if you could tell Matt anything anonymously, what would you say? And that's the, the kind of the gist of the 360 assessment. So I sent that out to former clients, current clients, team members, family members, pastors, friends, like just as many people as I could. And I had about 50, 55 responses and they had maybe three or four days to fill it out. And then reading through the results just A, it changed my world, but B, it just rocked me. Like it just knocked me over because time and time again, even though they had a lot of nice things to say, 
the criticism, the constructive criticism was, Brian, you've got to slow down. You've got to start with people. You've got to start putting people over your projects. And it was like a light bulb went off in my mind of how I was running over people in order to reach my goal and not including people in the journey. Wow. And that can be really scary opening up that report and seeing that criticism for the first time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it really was. And I I think we all have a choice. It's I call it the daily decision that changes everything. Because if you think about it, you really have a choice every day. Am I going to humble myself enough to be willing to listen, not necessarily follow, but at least listen to the feedback, listen to the perspective of someone else. I still believe that you filter it. It doesn't just mean if they tell you one thing, you have to do it like, yes, man, right? Where everything somebody said to him, he had to go do, jump off a cliff or bungee jump or whatever. But I think it's really important to, especially as a leader, to just open yourself up to your team to say, I might not have all the answers. And I've learned to do that in the, in the three years since doing that 360 assessment. For example, just before you and I hopped on a call, I had open office hours for our team. Our, our company's really grown. We've got about 40 team members. And weekly, I just have these open office hours. And you can just pop in on a Zoom meeting, tell me what you're working on, ask me questions. And I really have sought to be a more collaborative leader. And I truly believe that we is better than me. Over the last three years after doing that 360 assessment, we have had better ideas, executed at a higher level, had more team buy-in and made so much money than ever before. And I really attribute so much of that to Brian taking the blinders off and starting to be real with the people that I lead and the people I work with. All right. Now that you've learned how important your people are to you, you need to learn how to foster relationships with them and foster relationships among them. Scott Miller author of Management Myths to Leadership Success, talks about that in this clip. Earlier, you heard Brian Dixon talk about slowing down with your people. Well, Scott follows this same lesson, too. He learned it from his boss, Stephen Covey. With people, fast is slow, and slow is fast. When it comes to fostering relationships with your people, slow it down and be fully present with them. When you do that, your relationships will become even more valuable than they are now. Let's hear how Scott talks about this. First, let me debunk a human resource myth. People are not an organization's most valuable asset. That's not true. Stop saying that if someone is. It is the relationships between your people that are, in fact, your organization's most valuable asset. It's how Matt and Scott complement each other. It's how we work well, diffuse conflict, lift each other up. It's how we forgive each other. It's how we pre-forgive each other. Because Matt can have a black belt master Six Sigma certification, and Scott can be a Rhodes Scholar from Oxford, two smartest people in the world. But if Matt and Scott can't get along and work well together, then the company doesn't need them. It's how people work well together that is your ultimate competitive advantage. It's the relationships. Relationships are everything. And I think part of the challenge in a lot of leadership roles, Matt, is people confuse efficiency with effectiveness. Dr. Covey wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I often will be on interviews with journalists and they'll mistakenly call it, out of ignorance, not out of you know sinister motive, The Seven right. Habits of Highly Efficient People. No, he wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. There's a difference between being efficient and being effective. Now, for example, I struggle with this. 
I'm a very efficient person. I'm a very productive person. I get up at 4 a.m. I write my column for Inc. Magazine. I write two chapters of my books. At seven o'clock, I'm a dad to three boys for an hour and a half. And then I become an executive officer from you know, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. 6 p.m., I'm a dad and a husband again. Then I go back to writing and interviewing and reading. I get stuff done. Saturday morning, I get up at five o'clock. I'm at Home Depot buying the flowers by 5.30. They're planted by 6.30. Lawn raked by 7.30. Lawn mowed by 8.30. Car mowed by 9.30. You're exhausted. This has been a key positive contributor to much of my success professionally. The problem is with leaders like me that have an efficiency mindset, we treat mowing the lawn and taking out the garbage cans the same way we do our meetings, our relationships at work. So one of the profound things that Dr. Covey said is with people, fast is slow and slow is fast. We all need to slow down when it comes time to building relationships and understand there's a time to be efficient, some texts, managing your social media, responding to emails, maybe some meetings, there's a time to be effective. And that time to be effective is in almost every social interaction. When you're having a meeting, back in the good old days when we were in face-to-face, close your laptop. Don't just turn over your phone, turn off your phone. Take off the damn Apple Watch that keeps pinging you every three minutes. Because every time you look at it, I think you're either distracted, disinterested, or I'm going too long. I can't tell you how many times I'll be in a conversation with someone who looks at their watch seven times. Every time they're sending me the signal that what I am saying is not relevant, valuable, or engaging, and I'll always say, do you have to go? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. I'm like, take off your damn watch. Yeah. So I think the insight here is if you are like me at all, and your success has been built on your productivity, your efficiency, your urgency addiction. I'm not diminishing that. Those are great skills. Hell, I love a good crisis. It's one of my my best work. And I've been known to cook one up if it doesn't exist because I thrive on the dopamine and the adrenaline. But I have to be mindful that not everybody can operate that way in a sustained period of time. So I'm much more thoughtful at work and at home when to be in an efficiency mindset and when to move and slow down into an effectiveness mindset. Long answer, but I think it's a profound point. If there's one lesson that's really stood out to me from my guests as it relates to people, it's the lesson of slowing down. You've heard Brian Dixon talk about it. You've heard Scott Miller talk about it. Now, here's a clip where David Norrie, author of Turned On, talks about it too. It may sound counterintuitive, but it's really valuable to you as a leader, whether it's your team members, your friends, or especially your family, your people need you to slow down. Because when you slow down with your people, you're more likely to be fully present with them. You're more likely to listen to them. You're more likely to help them. And they're more likely to help you. I found myself at the beginning so worried about the business, so in that hustle and grind mentality. I saw it having an impact on my marriage. I saw it having an impact on my kids. And I'm like, who is this person I've created? And I literally had to make a sign and I put it in my closet because that's where I go most of the time, you know, wake up in the morning or the midday to change or go at night. And it says, slow down. You're trying too hard because that's the central theme of the book is we have to slow down to get ahead. And, and for some people, especially if you are in the entrepreneurial space or you're trying to get your business off the ground or excel in the corporate world, that's a message that you need to listen to. You can slow down to get ahead. 
it's not do more, have more, be more. It's balance, opportunity, presence, and awareness. And we can slow down and still move ahead. And when I see these signs all over the place of the grind and the hustle and people are wearing them like badge of honor, you know what? If we look back and we're older, are your kids going to say, hey, dad, thanks for hustling so hard so you could buy me that new bike or new car? Or are you going to say, hey, dad, thanks for slowing down a little bit so you spent more time with me playing ball or tucking me in at night? What's going to play in the memory banks of our children and give them a better way of life? Is it going to be more money? Is it going to be the Ivy League college? Or is it going to be, hey, my dad really had a relationship with me and spent time with me? And that's where we're at. Absolutely. And the phrase, you know, slow down to move ahead, that sounds counterintuitive to most people because our culture says, don't slow down, speed up. And in fact, do more, get noticed more. And that's what's going to bring you success. But to your point, all that can come at a cost. And I think that's when we get away from balance. Because if you hustle in just one area, then you lose balance. And it's a huge cost in all the other life areas. Well, Matt, you know, it's not just black and white. And I'm going to give a great example that I know you're going to identify with because we were both there and we both feel it. So Matt and I, we met because our children have a Taekwondo class together. And so in this Taekwondo class, there's a couple things that I even mentioned in the book because it is like a self-development program for children. It is not just about punching and kicking. It's how to be a good person, knowledge in the mind, honesty in the heart. It teaches them confidence. It's everything that you'd want in your child. And there's something about having a third party teach it. Just like as adults, sometimes we don't really police ourselves or we can't really correct ourselves. That's the hardest part of being an entrepreneur is you have no boss to tell you and hold you accountable. So the same thing with children. Sometimes, you know, we are their parents, but to watch them be accountable to another adult that has authority figure with Mark, he does a great job. But here's the part that I want to get to. So in this Taekwondo class, there's three or four rows of chairs, and that's where the parents sit. And every parent has their cell phone. And this is typically the class goes anywhere from six to eight o'clock at night. Right. So Matt, I know and you know that, again, sometimes, hey, I need to make this call. I need to take this or I need to answer this text. But I specifically watch because I've seen my child look over when she's doing an exercise or it's getting ready to be her turn. And I see her look over. And what is she looking for, Matt? She's looking to see if dad is watching. And I see sometimes, sometimes I catch her looking over as I'm looking up from my phone and I'm like, oh no. Right, yeah. And I see the look on her, it's palpable, the look on their face. And so what I think to myself is, again, that dopamine, do I want to sit there and watch every single kick of this class when I could maybe answer an email? That's a hard, hard decision to make. But God forbid our child looks over and we're on our phones, they see that and they know that. And that's where that disconnect comes. Because if we can just for an hour, don't even take it in. Sometimes I don't take it in because I know I can't sometimes police myself. I leave it in my car because I want her, if she looks over and she's doing a kick or she just got a belt, I want her to look over and say, oh, my dad saw that. And I just see the pride. And if you look around at other parents, sometimes they're just on their phones the whole time. I'm not in judgment. All I'm saying, because I'm susceptible to it too, is that's a perfect example, Matt, of what's going on. Our kids are noticing if we're paying attention or not, and they need us to be more present in their lives and balance the phone and work with the home life. Wow. Okay. Those are some powerful lessons right there. 
But I think the overlying theme here is that as a leader, you cannot go it alone. Your success is going to come from how you support your people and how they support you. I really loved going back and recapping some of the biggest lessons I learned from 2020 as it relates to providing simple experiences for your people. Now, good news, I have another 2020 recap episode that focuses on how you can provide a simple experience to your customers. Providing a simple experience to your customers is how you're going to gain customer loyalty and really grow your business. So be sure and check out my other 2020 recap episode. And as we finish recapping 2020, I'm excited about 2021. I have a number of guests lined up for 2021 to bring even more lessons to you. Lots of new guests, lots of new authors, lots of new books, and maybe a few repeat guests that I'm excited to have back on the podcast. Hey, if you're enjoying the Simple Brand Podcast, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. When you subscribe, you'll automatically get access to new episodes as soon as they're available. Until then, keep it simple. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Simple Brand Podcast. Want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode? Visit our website, simplebrandpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're finding value from the Simple Brand Podcast, leave us a rating or review. That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple.